Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, Coffee with Cannon. How's everyone doing today? You know, I noticed yesterday the uh, press conference, uh, and I watched it uh, by the attorneys for Trezell and Jacqueline West. And, you know, I wonder in this day and age, why does everyone think that they have to try a case in the media? It's almost like because the uh, Bakersfield District Attorney, Cynthia Zimmer, gave a press conference and let everyone know the intention of indicting um, Trezell and Jacqueline West, that somehow the defense team had to respond. And in their response, uh, it was pretty weak what they responded to. Uh, you know, that uh, let's remember that, uh, of course, they're innocent until proven guilty. But when we look at on the screen at those um, two innocent boys, Orin and Orson West, uh, sincere and classic, it's uh, that's innocence. That's innocent and never guilty. But yet they lost their lives. And one constant in this case, besides the fact that I'm sure District Attorney Cynthia Zimmer, uh, they interviewed and presented over 50, 50 witnesses to that grand jury. I'm sure they have a boatload of evidence, you know. But one real constant thing just to remember is that Trezell and Jacqueline West reported Orrin and Orson West missing in California City. And that, in fact, they'll be able to prove that's not where it happened. No one ever saw them in California City. They were never seen in that city. So right there, the whole premise of them being missing and the premise of which this case, uh, the foundation was built, was that the California City Police and the Bakersfield Police searched for these two young boys. And a week later, the district attorney found out that they were, in fact, dead three months prior to it. So these defense attorneys have one hell of a um, a defense to build a defense with this case. And I'm going to play a little bit of yesterday's press conference. And it's really... You know, when you know this case and when you follow this case and you see how upsetting this case is, how actually disturbing uh, what what they said during this press conference is, nonetheless, they deserve their, their day in court or in front of the camera. And I'm going to play a little bit of it right now. All right, we'll get started. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us here today. My name is Tim Hennessy. I'm lead counsel for Mr. Trezell West. Uh, associated counsel with me will be Joshua Fletchman. He's not present at this moment. Uh, here with me also is Alexia Torres-Stallings. She represents Ms. Jacqueline West. And associated counsel for Ms. Jacqueline West will be uh, Ms. Fatima Rodriguez here present to my left. Um, <clears throat> this will be the only time defense counsel will be addressing the media, making statements about the case until after the trial. We won't be answering any questions here today. We won't be discussing any facts of the case. Um, our clients, uh, we've spoken to them about this. Uh, they're behind this. Uh, and they understand our need to getting our side out. Um, last week, our clients, Mr. and Mrs. West, were arraigned on an indictment of five counts, including second-degree murder. And that came as a result 
of a grand jury convene. <clears throat> There's been great confusion we've seen uh, about the difference here between a grand jury and a trial jury, and the two of those things cannot be more different. First, the standard of proof is lower for a grand jury. They need to only determine probable cause, which is one of the lowest legal standards our system holds. They also do not require a unanimous vote by the jurors. The prosecution also has broad discretion in determining how to proceed and doing so by way of indictment. <clears throat> the grand jury process lacks a crucial and important role of our criminal justice system, and that is the accused and their counsel being present during. <clears throat> uh, there's no opportunity to cross-examine any witnesses, and it is basically ran by the district attorney. Uh, this is to the detriment of the accused, as evidence of a speculative nature has a way of integrating itself into this most secretive of all legal proceedings. On the other hand, a trial by jury, they must unanimously agree on the issue of guilt or not guilty. And there you have the highest standard of proof, which is, which is beyond a reasonable doubt, and it is a proceeding done in open court. The state's comment and reliance on this we have proved to a grand jury is mere rhetoric. It's used as an insurance to bolster a lopsided indictment. Comments such as this have no place in an actual court of law, where it is 12 individuals who unanimously decide the outcome of this case based on this highest level of burden of proof, which is beyond a reasonable doubt. Statements that have been used by the Kern County District Attorney in her press conference tend to invoke a tidal wave of emotion towards finding guilt, whether substantiated or not, and this will taint a local jury pool and could deny our clients a chance at a fair trial. It's odd that the office held their press conference, made a series of comments which both miss and disinformed the public, then the following day came and requested a gag order to stop the defense from having an ability to make similar comments. This action is disingenuous, but may also cause change for a change of venue in the future. This is an election year, and this case is serving as a compass to guide the DA to her path of re-election. However, it is now when <clears throat> the misleads and theater end and the constitutional protections begin. The safeguards of the accused and the fight to preserve those for Trezell and Jacqueline West begin now. And I thank you. You know, folks, the, the, the other attorney, um, Alexia Torres Stallings, she speaks in all Spanish. Like, what was the point of that? It, were all the, the, um, the press people there, did any of them speak Spanish? Did a few of them speak Spanish? What was the point in her doing her presentation in Spanish? Who is she presenting it to? I mean, I didn't un look. I understand a few words of Spanish, but I'm certainly not fluent. So I, I think that, that that's a little bit ridiculous that she's speaking in Spanish. And you know, is it because Bakersfield has a huge Hispanic population, and that's going to contain a lot of the jury pool? Is that why she's speaking in Spanish? But it's it's not. It's ridiculous, really. Who could understand her unless you're fluent in Spanish? And I wonder. I would love to know how many people from the press understood what she was talking about. 
So it was almost like a waste of time, you know, that that she went up there. You know, I always want when you talk about um, proof beyond a reasonable doubt and innocent to proven guilty, I always want you to remember this picture of Trezell and Jacqueline West the day after they reported Orin and Orson missing and how they couldn't look at the camera, how he had his arms folded in front of him. Uh, All of this will be presented at the trial because not that this is a slam dunk guilt, but folks, we talk about on this show, circumstantial evidence is the fact that he can't speak directly and look people in the eye. The fact that he was wearing, and I know this was the beginning of COVID, he was wearing a mask outside. Was that needed or was that designed to hide his face further? From his guilt. You know, one of the things, and I think it's almost like a, a smoking gun type thing, is that the district attorney, Cynthia Zimmer, knows that they were they lost their lives in Bakersfield. So why did Trezell and Jacqueline West report Orrin and Orson West missing in California City? Because they were lying. That's why. You know, and they talk about uh, the one attorney, his name is uh, Timothy Hennessy. He spoke about uh, there's great confusion in the jury system. I don't think anyone's confused. I think maybe he is because everyone knows that a, a grand jury doesn't try the case. And the standard of proof he brought up is all the grand jury needs is probable cause. And folks, just to remind you, uh, a police officer on the street that is the level of suspicion a police officer needs to make an arrest on the street, probable cause. There's three levels, uh, mere suspicion, reasonable suspicion, and then the arrest stage is probable cause. So the sta- he's trying to make a point that the, the burden of proof of probable cause is a very low level of proof. It's just facts and circumstances that uh, indicate to a reasonable person that a crime was committed, and that the person being arrested committed the crime. That is the definition of probable cause. And of course, he's getting to, but after a trial, they have to be convicted beyond a reasonable doubt. Yes, I think we all know that. As Americans, we all know you have certain rights uh, with a case like this. However, there is a ton of evidence here, and no one's trying the case yet. The only people who are important in regards to guilt or innocence are the 12 people sitting in that jury. So no one's trying the case right now as this council. This council seems that um, I I would imagine, I'm pretty sure that they are um, their legal aid because I don't see that um, uh, Trizel and Jacqueline will have the money to pay private attorneys. There's a lot of other issues in this case also when they talk about there was five counts of this indictment, and there were two counts, of course, each of uh, of murder, and also the the unusual circumstances where they used the other children to participate in this murder. That is horrendous, horrendous. And guess what? The prosecution has already interviewed all these witnesses. So now, will the defense get a chance to interview these witnesses? Also, undoubtedly, they will. You know, I just wanted you to look at the on the screen. Um, 
you know, a, the, a grand jury, they meet in secret and they listen to evidence. They travel and examine locations of interest. So what might be a location of interest? Uh, the West Home in Bakersfield, that might be a location of interest. I would think that there would have been an extensive uh, crime scene uh, process at that location to see if they could recover blood or any biological fluids or anything pertaining to these young angel boys or in an Orson West. And, you know, and ultimately the members of the grand jury hold the power to forever change someone's life as they did with Trezell and Jacqueline West, the adoptive parents of missing California city boys, Orrin and Orson West, by bringing an indictment accusing them of murder, which in fact, that's what they did. Uh, you know, in most cases, prosecutors file uh, criminal charges sometimes. However, a grand jury is preferred because the proceedings are confidential. Remember we said that the proceedings of a grand jury are secret. Uh, witnesses can testify privately instead of in an open court as required by a preliminary hearing. So that's very important in a case like this so that you get people to come forward to be witnesses that might be reluctant otherwise if they were out in the general public. I'm going to play a little more of the press conference so we can see some of the questions being asked and how um, the attorneys uh, answer these questions. Far from where we're at now, but because we hear jury, we hear grand jury, trial jury, there's this general sense to think, well, they must have proven this. This must have been proven beyond reasonable doubt. And, and that is not what happened. That is not what a grand jury is. A grand jury is a way to bring charges, much like how we have preliminary hearings all day, every day in the downtown courthouse. That's the same thing to get you in the same place. Okay. Um, they're two wildly different things, a grand jury and a trial jury. Will you have a preliminary? So, oh, I didn't know if you wanted me to ask. Did you want me to answer that in Spanish as well? Um, I don't know if it was... Yeah. Okay. So... La causa probable es el más abajo uh, forma de, uh, de los estándares. So, por ejemplo, es cuando una más alta... Oh, I can answer that in English and then I'll go back. So we are going to be joining in um, the request for the gag order um, for a number of reasons. Uh, we, do not, we do not want more misinformation to be spread before the jury trial. Um, there has been very, very few number of cases that have had the opportunity to have a change of venue granted. Um, I believe that there was one, um, not recently, but I believe that it, it came back on the Robert Mistrail trial, I believe was, was one of them. And so in order to ensure that our jury pool here isn't tainted, um, we are going to be uh, joining on that gag order as, as well. Okay, so um, nosotros queremos el orden también porque uh, no hay muchos casos aquí en Kern County que don la corte porque case, excuse me, incident took place here in Kern County, mm -hmm. but the attorneys um, were able to prove in court that a significant portion of the people in Kern County were aware of the case. Mm -hmm and essentially argued that the jury pool would have um, would have already made up their mind had they decided to stay here. 
Um, again, these- folks, what she's referring to is uh, they're talking about the possibility of a change of venue in this case, which would be highly unusual for a judge to grant a change of venue. First of all, the boys are reported missing in California City. So would that be a prejudicial area to have this trial? Or would Bakersfield, where they, in fact, from what we know from the prosecutor, uh, Cynthia Zimmer, that that's where they were killed. They were murdered in that county, in Kern County. So to to charge, to to have a change of venue is, is, is highly, highly unusual. Ms. Pisces' dreams, from my understanding, a grand jury has the burden of proof and the defense doesn't present a defense. There's not a burden of proof. They just have to establish probable cause, and then they issue an indictment. And after, if an indictment is issued, the case goes directly to trial. There's no hearings. So it's, it has nothing to do with guilt or innocence. It's just, as I said before, establishing probable cause. And uh, Jules Martinez, sad part is they sent the children to Wanda West home and reported a false report as if the police were not going to question the rest of the children. You know, this this is such a disturbing case, and I would imagine that uh, the that the grand jury... Look, the, the prosecuting attorney, Ms. Cynthia Zimmer, she seems very savvy. She seems very experienced. Uh, she didn't mince words uh, when she did her press conference. It was clear and to the point... Uh, I think that um, if if anything, um, if if anything, the um, these defense attorneys are a little bit confused um, in regards to what's going on because they're trying to. I mean, again, I I just don't understand in this day and age, while people um, attempt to try cases, uh, try to attempt to try cases in the press. This, this case is going to go to court, you know, and that's the only place where it's important uh, what occurred is is in court. Um, I'm going to put the uh, Cynthia Zimmer on the screen just to watch the difference in, in what she said in regards to what is being alleged by um, the defense attorneys here. And I thought she was quite uh, professional. And I'm going to play a little bit of it right now. From the Kern County Sheriff's Department. The community also came out to assist in looking for the boys, but to no avail, they were not located. One week later, crucial information came to light that necessitated the involvement of the Bakersfield Police Department and the Kern County District Attorney's Office. Law enforcement worked diligently hundreds of hours in the next 12 months looking for the boys. This morning, I'm saddened to announce that the investigation has revealed that Oren and Orson West are deceased. The investigation has also revealed that they died three months before their adoptive parents reported them missing. However, I am pleased to announce that this week, 
the Kern County Grand Jury indicted Trezell and Jacqueline West, the adoptive parents, for the murder of Orrin and Orson West. The indictment charges five counts. The first count is murder, charges them both with murder, with the victim being Orrin West. The second count charges murder, with the victim being Orson West. The third count charges felony child abuse against the person of Orrin West. The fourth count charges child abuse against the person of Orson West. And the fifth count charges um, false report of an emergency. Naturally, the first two counts carry the most time in state prison, murder. It is charged as murder in the second degree that carries 15 years to life, but with two victims, the potential penalty or the maximum possible penalty, uh, if convicted, is 30 years to life for each defendant, Trezell and Jacqueline West. Now, the grand jury indictment is a formal charging document, and it we followed a process in charging them before the grand jury, and that was the district attorney requested that the grand jury convene to hear evidence regarding an indictment that we presented them. The district attorney's office then presented information to the grand jury and uh, the grand jury found there was sufficient evidence to hold Trezell and Jacqueline West uh, responsible for these murders and they returned what was called a true bill. So was, oftentimes we call it they were indicted, but what they did is returned a true bill on the indictment. Uh, Department One Superior Court judge issued warrants for the arrest of the defendants, and they were uh, arrested last night at about 7 p.m. in Kern County. Folks, you can't get much more professional, much more succinct and to the point explaining the law, explaining everything you would have to know about this. There's nothing that was sensational about this. There's nothing, I mean, I think they also wanted to let the public know who for 16 months have been searching and living uh, with the fact that these two boys uh, were missing and they thought missing. However, she cleared up the fact that she probably has uh, smoking gun evidence that they, in fact, are deceased. And she wouldn't have come out with that if she didn't. And one of the ways you find that out, of course, was interviews of family, especially of the four remaining children, two biological children, and two additional adopted children. We said early on, and I know early on, a lot of you guys are fans of um, Duty Ron, watch Duty Ron. And I went on Duty Ron's show uh, 16 months ago when this first occurred. And I said that based on all the facts that I had known him, based on the body language of Trezell and Jacqueline West, I don't think that Orrin and Orson West were ever in California City excuse me, uh, yeah, in, in California City. And I said, there's no way they made it there because there was interviews of 
people in the community, interviews with the mailman, interviews with people that would run into the children. The children were never, ever seen in California City. So there's a, a big bit of evidence right there. But of course, the major, major slam dunk evidence that will be hard for any uh, defense attorney to refute is the fact um, that the children, the remaining children, probably testified to the fact that they took part in the abuse of these poor little boys and maybe even took part in the murder of these two boys. And that is just something that's so horrible and so horrific that it's almost too difficult to understand for everyone. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, please go to our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring the bell, give us a thumbs up. If you like the show and want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have some folks, we have a, a, a channel membership, and you can see the folks that are in the um, in the chat with the green font. They're members of our YouTube family, and we have five different levels to that. This is, look, this is a very disturbing case. And um, the defense now is just, of course, um, getting this case, and they're going to have to now try, try, try to build a defense. And just looking at these two on the screen and on the screen right now, if you're listening, I have Trizel and, and Jacqueline West from when they first reported uh, Orin and Orson missing. And um, some of their actions also, and here, here's, this, here's a picture of them at their arraignment. Some of their actions also when they reported the boys missing were not believable. He searched for them for about 10 minutes. If you had a three-year-old and a four-year-old, that walked out the back gate of your property, would you really search for them for 10 minutes? Uh, it just it doesn't pass what's known as the smell test. It just does not pass it at all. And it's just it's just pathetic. You know, it's just a pathetic thing that uh, here we are, and, and it, this case is going to go to trial, and all the horrific um, the horrific facts of this are going to come out at this trial. And I want to play a little bit of their, uh, of them being interviewed by the press when this first occurred. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's a horrible thing um, to see that. Um, okay. Let me just see if I can I have to remove this and put it back up there. Uh, it's a horrific thing to watch them. And to just see how their whole their whole body language, for whatever reason, it's not going up there now. Anyway, basically, what 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 it what it will show you is that they could not um, they, they could not look at the um, they could not look the press in the eye. They could not uh, they could not speak clearly. They um, they just were not believable at all. Here I got it. I got it queued up now, and I'm going to play a little bit of it for you guys. Uh, here's some of the interview. Website: The couple were booked on two counts of second-degree murder, two counts of willful cruelty to a child, and a misdemeanor count of filing a false report of an emergency. So, how do we get to this point? Let's take a look back at the timeline of events in this case. It began back on December 21st of 2020. That's when the two boys were first reported missing. 
Then on February 4th, the reward grows for the missing boys to $120,000. On March 1st, the BPD announced they were taking over the investigation from the Cal City Police Department. In December of last year, that was the one-year anniversary of the disappearance with no new updates from law enforcement. And then last night, we found the charges being brought against Trizel and Jacqueline arrest West after the arrests were made. We are hoping to hear from law enforcement later this morning. You can follow this on air and online by going to our website, turnit23.com. So you see how long this was going on and uh, the public and all you guys that are in the chat who contributed uh, uh, to the collections that were made uh, in an attempt. There was $124,000, I think, raised as a reward to find these boys, you know. And I know many people in this chat and many people, Duty Ron, and he worked diligently at this. He stayed on this case right from the beginning. And they even referred to the Orrin and Orson as our boys, you know. And people really got emotionally involved with this case. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just a horrendous thing. And now we see, you know, the, these defense attorneys, and that's their job. I'm not, I don't want mean to disparage them because they're defense attorneys, but you know, they're talking about, oh, don't let's not try this case in the media. I think, if anything, uh, District Attorney Cynthia Zimmer was tremendously professional, tremendously. And she gave a lot of information to us, us being the public, that we didn't know. Uh, and the smoking gun, of course, being she, when she started the press conference saying, we have information, uh, evidence that the boys were dead three months before um, Trizel and Jacqueline reported them missing. Right there, that evidence there is a smoking gun. Uh, good luck, to, no, good luck. I don't wish the defense attorneys luck. I want to make sure I want these two convicted, these two monsters. You know, I also think that there needs to be a big, a large investigation, and I'm sure they're on it. How did Trizel and Jacqueline West, how did they and how were they able to adopt kids? And seemingly it's like an industry getting paid to adopt kids. I don't see that Trizel had any uh, visible form of income other than being paid by the state to adopt children. I mean, there has to be an investigation into that. How were they able to adopt children? I mean, it, it seems that and again, people stick up sometimes for the um, the Department of Ch uh, Children's Protective Services. There's the one big happy family, except we know that they're not happy. The poor little boys back there. Um, that has to be part of the investigation. We have to find out how were they able to adopt children when they were these two abusive people. And again, uh Trizel apparently had no criminal history. Um, so it doesn't mean, you know, that's one of the first things we look at in law enforcement. Uh, when we check someone, we try to vet someone's background. We try to vet someone's past is what is their criminal history? What's their work history? What's their educational history? What's their mental health history? Uh, and apparently, and I'm just saying apparently, uh, Trizel didn't have a uh, arrest record. But as we can see in this case, 
you know, they graduated to a double murder from nothing, if that's the case, you know. Uh, it's it's just, it's, it's very, very sad. Um, someone just wrote in the chat, um, family members, if that's true, uh, family members worked for CPS. If that's true, Isabel Florence, then that has to be uh, looked into. And if someone paved the way for an easy adoption and for these two to get paid for adopting children, that person or persons needs to get arrested too. And there needs to be a deep dive into child protective services to see what their involvement is in this case, if there's any, and I'm not, I'm not, that's what investigation is. Uh, Jules uh, Martinez, brother worked for a boys group home. Wanda worked for the city. Sounds like they got some great guidance. Yeah, there's a lot of things that need uh, investigation on this case. Uh, Tracy Kotzman, I don't think it's concerning. Someone can recall an event, but not the exact date. That's my guess only. It's not that if someone can't remember a date, it's, it's when it's the totality of someone's behavior. You know, if they're deceptive, they show deception in many different ways, you know, and it's, this case is, uh, you know, I just keep going back to this picture and you see the picture of the boys in the, in the insert. And then you, you see the, um, the picture of Trezell and, and uh, Jacqueline there. And that picture I'm sure this picture will be brought up at trial, and not just the picture, but uh, the recording from them going on the news and how they were so concerned. And uh, and I'm sure that the district attorney, as I said earlier, has smoking gun information, S smoking gun information um, that these boys were dead three months before they reported. Phil Grimaldi, my partner, it's disgusting. What these two did to those poor boys, let justice prevail. T thanks to our great law enforcement officers and the prosecutor, uh, we will get it. I, I believe we will also, you know. Um, again, everyone deserves their day in court, even such despicable people as we see on the screen. But everyone deserves a fair trial. This is a country where um, there is the rights of those accused, you know the right to remain silent, the right to obtain counsel, the right to not to incriminate themselves. But it will be very difficult for these two who reported their two boys missing in a town, California City, that they'd never been to. So pretty, pretty easy for the investigators to prove that the boys never, in fact, ever made it to that town. So it's uh, it's it's a tough case, you know. It's it's a tough case for because it's so emotional for everyone that followed it, you know. Uh, Isabel Florence, they're getting looked into, according to the news. You're, you're referring to the family members. Look, in a in a in a investigation, nothing, no door is closed. Investigators look into everything because certain factors can impact upon other factors and certain evidence can have impact upon the bigger picture, you know, uh, 
The question, Tracy Kotsman, you're getting hung up on these dates. The question was why the date September 1st through the 30th? That's a wide range for a date of death. Well, Tracy Kotsman, the bodies have never been found. So they're relying on the testimony potentially of some young children to give them a timeline of potentially when they disappeared. And that's for the kids. It'll be like, when did you no longer see them? When did you stop seeing Orin and Orson West? So, you know, I just want to give you a heads up on, on Wednesday night at 9 p.m., I wanted to embrace this subject with a real professional of homicide um, prosecutions without the recovery of a body. So I brought on uh, Wednesday night, I'm bringing on uh, one of the top prosecutors who worked for the Manhattan DA's office, attorney Daniel Bibb. And Dan has experience with that. He prosecuted the Beerenbaum case in Manhattan. That was a, where a doctor murdered his wife. Uh, he murdered her in 1985, but wasn't prosecuted for it till the year 2000. And one of the ways they, well, we're going to hear the ways that Dan Bibb was able to gain a conviction, but it was alleged that Dr. Bierenbaum threw his wife's body in the trunk of his car, drove her to a private airport, threw her in his private plane, flew over the Atlantic Ocean, and threw her out the door into the Atlantic Ocean. Her body has never, ever been recovered. And Dr. Bierenbaum um, is up for parole right now. And the exact facts and circumstances that Dan Bibb, who's going to be on the show Wednesday night, accused him of in court, he actually confessed to at his parole hearing. To get paroled, you need to admit your crime and you need to atone for it and say you're sorry and all this other stuff. So this is the same, a similar type of case. We have a homicide prosecution without the recovery of the, of the bodies. Um, is it a potential case that, um, that they could find the bodies of the boys before the trial? Unlikely, but could it happen? Yes, it absolutely uh, could happen. Um, so Dan Bibb is going to be on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. So, folks, I just wanted to take a, a dive into this a little bit. We watched a bit of the um, press conferences given by the defense attorney, Alexia Torres-Stallings, who is the attorney for Jacqueline, and uh, Timothy Hennessy, who is the attorney for Trezell. This case is going to take a lot. This case is not going to go to trial in the next two months. It's going to take a longer time than that because we discussed on this um, channel discovery, and discovery is all the evidence that the prosecution has to turn over to the defense, and then the defense needs time to speak to witnesses, to send out their investigators and talk to these witnesses. So it's going to take a lot longer to go to trial than uh, originally stated folks again uh this has been police off the cuff um i'm happy you guys tuned in for this afternoon uh no show this evening can you believe that so far no show this evening we've been putting out a lot of shows lately myself and phil grimaldi we're um 
We're on our way to our 25,000 subscribers. It's taken us a while. We're working hard to achieve that. We've had the help of a lot of people. Duty Ron has helped me more than anyone else on YouTube, but that's camaraderie from being fellow NYPD. So, folks, again, thank you so much for listening today, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Have a great day and be safe. One episode, just ain't enough.